when I was in, at the end of my first year university, University of Cape Town, and I was staying in residence over there, and I recommitted my heart to the Lord at the end of my first year. And one of my delights was to discover the Bible in a whole new way. Suddenly, I had such a hunger to read the Bible. And I remember my pastor said one day, and um, he said, listen, if you have a Bible that you can't underline in and write in, please can you throw it away and buy a cheap Bible that you can write in and underline in. Now, that was, that was mind-shifting to me because I grew up in quite a, in quite a religious uh, church background where I had high respect for the Bible, and you never, you never wrote in your Bible. You know, when it was given to you, somebody with a really nice handwriting would write your name, you know, presented to you on this date and whatever, and you never wrote on that book again. You know, I thought there would be lightning from heaven if you wrote in your Bible, you know. And it was, it was, it was, it was respect, but maybe an unhealthy respect for the Word of God. And so, when my pastor said, throw away your fancy Bible, I, I didn't throw away my fancy Bible. I just kept it on the shelf. I knew, you you know, just now, you know, something happens to me. But I went to the local Christian bookshop. Back in the day, folks, this was before cell phones, okay? So if you say, why didn't you just get the Bible app? Okay, you know where I'm coming from. I went to the Christian bookshop and I found this lovely little NIV Bible. It was so nice, it was easy to carry. And I looked forward to residence supper was like 5.30 to 6.30. I went to res, had supper, and my Bible reading time, I set aside half an hour every night after supper. But I must confess, I couldn't keep to half an hour. It often went longer. I just had never really understood the Bible, God, all that stuff. It just came alive to me. And there were certain things that jumped out of the Scripture's for me in that time that have been so enduring. And what I want to share with you this morning is, is some stuff that I feel like the Lord has breathed on again. And it's always been significant to me. But I, I said to Jen, I said, I don't know why it hasn't been a priority for me for the last while. I don't even know what while is. I don't want to define that. And so, I, before I put my message title up, I want to say this and where it came from. I was reading, a couple years after Varsity, I was reading, a, a, it was a book on really, you know, finding your purpose and finding your place and how to achieve your dreams in life. You know, it was that kind of a book. And there's always really good stuff in there. But one of the things that they recommended that you do is that you get a personal mission statement for your life. Now, I... I see great value in that. And I'm reading and I'm like, oh, but that's hard work. How am I going to find a personal mission statement that, that's very significant? But in the end, it was actually so easy. I read about this and I kind of went to the Lord. I promise you, I wasn't even praying that hard. I was just, I was, I was nearly just contemplating. I was just thinking about what would I say is my personal mission statement? And it just, it just came. I believe it was the Lord. And the words that came into my heart were these words. Knowing him and making him known. Those were the words like, what is my personal mission statement? Knowing him and making him known. And you know, when, I, when those words came, I, it, 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 I subsequently found out that it's quite a well-known sort of phrase, saying, mission statement. I mean, I heard just a few years ago, Pastor Bill Bennett was speaking and, and this, he was talking about it. I had never, I can't recall ever hearing anybody talk about it. I, I could have read it, but we didn't have, you know, Instagram and, you know, where, where, and Twitter where people send these quotes and memes and things. So I don't know where I got it from. I, in that moment, just felt sure that was just the Lord dropping into my spirit. And for many years I was like, that's simple, I can do that. I can, I can get my head around it, I can get my heart around it, it, it ignites my soul, this, this is, I'm, I'm good with it. And I don't know why, but as I said, you know, the Lord has just brought this back to me in the last while. And I said to Jenna, I said, I can't remember when last I actually have thought about this, knowing Him and making Him known. And I've, I don't know, you know, life happens, and I don't know how it happened that I, haven't been inspired by this. Because that's one of the things about a personal mission statement. It's meant to inspire you. 
And I'm telling you, it still does. And I'm like, why haven't I drunk from this well? Why haven't I tapped into this for a long time? I don't know. You, you get busy with life. But I want to I wanna just come back to a, a scriptural foundation for it. And I, and I was wrestling with two scriptures anyway. Here's the one. Matthew 4.19, when Jesus calls the first disciples, when he calls Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, they're fishing, and he meets them next to the lake, and he says these words to them. He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Again, so profoundly simple, because the call to, and the Bible says they left their nets immediately and followed him. You know, following Jesus was a call to walk with him. It was a call to relationship with him. It was a call to do life with him. They traveled around literally having for three years, having meals together, staying together, doing ministry together. It was a call to the most amazing, intimate relationship with Jesus that any of us would probably say, oh Lord, you know, I'd love that. So the call to follow Jesus is a call to intimacy, to relationship. But Jesus never just he never just said, follow me full stop. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Folks, I always think of the vertical and horizontal axis of the cross. We absolutely, there's a vertical follow him um, or know him or listen to him. The word from last week I spoke to you about listening to him. But there's, and it impacts you and it changes your life. But God has always intended that that impact your horizontal realm, your metron, your sphere of influence, your friends, your family. It's just like you can't keep God to yourself. He's going to kind of come out of you. And that is just the, the vertical, the horizontal impact of the gospel is always significant. And so when, when he said to them, fishers of men, these were fishermen. And he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. The significant thing about that is, folks, in those days, fishing wasn't a lonesome exercise with an oak with a rod and a reel standing next to the lake, the, the lake and fishing. They didn't know fishing like that, remember? It was, you had boats, you had nets, and you had a team of guys that you had to go with, and you had to work together. So this call to follow Jesus and fish for men was a call to join other people and Form communities, okay, called churches, and and work together. That, that's how they would have understood this fishing thing. It's not, you know, lonesome, ownsome next to the lake over here. It is, we got to, we're going to do this together, okay? So I want to highlight that. And so for me, knowing him and making him known, I never in my heart want to separate that. I think, I think we can just get a bit weird when it's just knowing him, or it's just following him, and we don't realize the scripture that in, in Acts, when it describes David in the book of Acts, it says about David, after David had served the purpose of God in his generation, he fell asleep. Folks, we are part of a generation of people, and, he, and, and this is my deep conviction if you are breathing, and in this generation, there's a reason you are breathing. Because God has got a purpose for you in this generation. And once you've served that purpose, we fall asleep, okay? This, we leave this earth suit and we graduate to heaven. We are okay with that. But while you're here, for me it's knowing him and making him known. He said to the disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Folks, the vertical and the horizontal is a reality for every single one of us. I think of also the other scripture I was going to put there just was when they came to Jesus and said, Lord, tell us what is the one most important scripture in the whole of, in the, in the whole of the Bible, okay, which was the Old Testament. And Jesus did not give them one. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second, which is like it. Jesus literally said, what, the, what I'm going to say now is just as important as loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because you know how profound that is. You said loving your neighbor as yourself is just as significant as loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's just the vertical and horizontal, knowing Him, making Him known. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love people. Amen? It's always, it's the horizontal and vertical. If we just focus on the, on the horizontal, 
People are going to tire you, disappoint you, betray you, uh, you know, slander you. It's going to happen. So that stuff happens. So how do we handle, how do we keep loving unlovable people? We keep focused on Him. We follow Him. We listen to Him. We get to know Him. We get to know His love. Fill us with your love. As these ladies testified here. Get filled with His love so that we love others with His love. So when they reject us, it's like, you're not rejecting me. I loved you with the love of God that He's placed in my heart. I'm in no deficit by your slander, rejection, betrayal. I had no deficit. It wasn't, I wasn't giving you of myself. I was giving you from my Father. So there's no deficit. I'm okay. I can still love you. Amen. And so these two, these two are just so important. We keep them together. So what I want to do is I want to unpack a little bit knowing Him. Firstly, Knowing him is prayed for in two significant places in the New Testament. So, this is, when I started sharing, I shared about how I used to, after supper in Rez, in Cape Town, um, when I was 19, I I couldn't wait sometimes to finish supper to go and read my Bible. And these verses that I'm going to share with you, a lot of them, I discovered in that time. And I was so free. Folks, I can't tell you how free it was to underline in my Bible and not be filled with guilt that I'm doing something wrong. You know, I'm sinning against God because I'm underlining my Bible. I just, whew, it was so nice to underline these verses. Okay. Knowing Him is prayed for, firstly, by Jesus in John 17, verse 3. Now, John 17 is Jesus' prayer for us. You've got to read it. If you haven't read it, or if you haven't read it recently, it's beautiful. He's the prayer prays for us. But he says something so significant in verse 3, and I remember when I was 19, just discovering verse and the line, it was like, wow, God, this is amazing. I, I want this. And Jesus said this in verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And you know, it was in a time in my life where I really wanted to know God. I wanted to know God in the fullness of what that means, and hopefully we're going to unpack that. I was just like, God, I want to know you. I prayed this prayer so often. But folks, you know the significant thing about this is that this verse kind of allows us to experience some of what eternal life is going to be like, the side of eternity. You know, Ham couldn't put words to what it was, just encountering God. She got to know God in a way that literally her she's battling to find words. But when we get to heaven, it's going to be like that like all the time. Like, oh, God, you know, I know tongues will cease and we don't need tongues in heaven, but, you know, I mean, it's often that's when, you know, it's like when you don't know how with your intellect to pray, pray in the Spirit. Knowing Him, Jesus said, and Jesus was praying this, Jesus praying, we can encounter some of heaven, this side of eternity, as we get to know him. Look at the other big prayer by Paul, the apostle, in Ephesians 1. He's praying and he starts, this is the start of this amazing prayer. He goes, I think, until verse 20, 22. So powerful, this prayer. Do you haven't prayed this prayer? I, I, I was so impacted when I heard my pastor in Cape Town said he prayed this for us. And I've often prayed this prayer, this apostolic prayer for us as his people. But the first thing he says, the first thing he prays for in this apostolic prayer by the great Apostle Paul, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. You know, in, in Scripture, there are various words for spirit. And we, as individuals, as people, created in the image of God, we have a human spirit. But usually in Scripture, when there's the capital S, it's referring to the Spirit of God. And this is one of the jobs of the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, is that you may know Him better. Remember when we were looking at those Scriptures uh, about what Jesus said about the Paracletos, when we did the series on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes to reveal Jesus. Amen? Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. 
I just love this. This prayer, I have prayed for His people church often that we may know Him better. I pray this for myself. These these prayers, these verses jumped in my heart when I was 19 years old. And I said, God, I want to know you and I want to make you known. Knowing Him prayed for John 17. Now what I want to do in this verse, we've looked at this verse, but this is the passion. And I just want to unpack. Because, you know, knowing Him, it's, it's one of those words that you think you know what no means. Until you start looking at Scripture and you're praying, it's like, oh my goodness, no is so much more than I thought I knew what no means. It's, it's God, this is big. This is like a lifetime. Last night, sorry, yesterday, start of Alpha Course, we started introducing one another and, and, and you know, like, tell us a little bit about who you are, etc. At least three people said something like this about, I'm a, I'm a lifelong student or something like that. I don't know if you were. And I was so encouraged because, folks, knowing God is not something that you're going to say, <laughs> you know, on, 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 on that day in September, I heard a sermon on knowing God. I know no God. You want to know God? I've, I've got it. I've got it. No ways! I'm not saying I know. You know, even it's like, I don't know God because knowing God is so big. The Bible says in, about the, the 24 elders in Revelation says that day and night they bow down and they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, and I remember one person saying, like, how can you for eternity cry holy, holy, holy? And the person said, it's because there is so much of God to know. There is so much in who He is that every time they cry holy, they're crying holy because they're getting more revelation. We look at the spirit of wisdom. They're getting more glimpses of his, his grandeur, His beauty, His majesty, His mercy, His grace, His faithfulness, His patience, His kindness, His goodness. I mean, let's, where do we stop with how much He is in every one of those? And it's like they just are blown away by His goodness. Amen. Look what the Bahá'u'lláh Passion puts these verses. This is what Jesus prayed as He looked up into, into heaven. Father, and I'm not, I haven't put verse 2 and 3 there, uh, 2 the rest of one and two, sorry. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God. And to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. Now, I only put this verse up because it says to know and experience. And I double-clicked on the original Greek word there. And this word know is not the word that you would use Say you have to write a geography exam, okay? And you have to know some facts. And you could, somebody said, do you know your work? And you said, yes, I know my work because I know about the five different kinds of clouds. There's a cirrus and cumulonimbus and... Okay, let's stop there, okay? <laughs> okay. Geography was a while ago, okay? My son was, he's learning this and he was asking me about it recently. I mean, anyway, I, I know there's names for clouds out there. I used to know clouds. But it's not that intellectual knowing. This is to know and experience. I shouldn't say, you know, Pam and them, they experienced some of God that it, 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 it went actually beyond their knowing. And I'm just saying, for me, knowing God, I'm like, even in, I've never spoken a message on this. And I, and I can't think that I've ever heard a sermon on this. So, so this is just, I think that the more I prepared and looked at scriptures, the more I'm like, God, I never realized this was so big. You know, it's like the proverbial iceberg, where like something like 10% of an iceberg floating in the ocean is visible, and 90% is not visible underneath. It's like, God, I never knew knowing you was so huge. I'm putting this verse up, because in Genesis 4 verse 1, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. Now, this is how Hebrew language uses the word know. This is the same word we are using to say know God. Okay? Now, I just want to check with you. When it says, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore a son called Cain, 
That doesn't mean that she knew, he knew her name. Doesn't mean she maybe knew her ID number. Or can you imagine, maybe she, he, he, maybe he was now, he got to know her Google password. Do you think that's how Eve got conceived? That she, he knew her password. Or maybe imagine he knew her bank pin number. Do you think that's how she was conceived? Anybody go, I mean, what kind of knowing are we talking about here? Okay? How many of you know that when Adam knew Eve, this was intimacy? The result, the fruit of their love, of them coming together in holy matrimony, in the beauty as they made love before God, as God ordained a, a husband and a wife to come together in the beauty of sexual, of sexual fulfillment, that moment births life. And she conceived and she bore a son. Folks, there's intimacy, and I want to submit to you that it's, it's, it's beautiful unless, you know, it's been messed up for you, from you, this whole concept of sexual intimacy. I remember many years ago in Cape Town, I was speaking about this subject, we were guys, and, and I, I was sharing, and I was trying to bring across the fact that, you know, when a husband and wife comes together in sexual intimacy, it's beautiful. And I was like, I said, you know, I, I reckon the angels celebrate when a husband and a wife come together. And there's a party in heaven because it's beautiful. It's not, it's not defiling. It's not impure before God. God created us for sexual intimacy and to be amazingly fulfilled in that part of our lives with somebody who's committed to us for the rest of our lives. It is a safe place to give yourself fully in that way. And I was saying, and the angels, man, come down and they celebrate when a husband and wife come together. <laughs> and the guys were, oh, they were all embarrassed. They, they couldn't get their head around the fact that, you know, the angels are there. It's like, pastor, we close the curtain. I can't handle the fact that the angels watching. You know, I need privacy when I'm with my wife. And the, and the guys are cringing. Anyway, like the next day, two days, two, three days later, this one guy messages me. He said, and he says to me, Pastor, the angels came. <laughs> so, you know, the funny thing is, this was on the Saturday, I don't know, that I'd shared, shared. It was actually at a victory, uh, victory day. And, and, and he messaged me on like on Wednesday, the angels came down. And I'm like, but I forgot that I'd said that. It wasn't on script. This is not actually on script at all. Again, Cassie, here we go. I'm sorry, man. This is not on script. I don't know how I got there. And he messages me on like Wednesday. He says, Pastor, the angels came on Wednesday night. And I'm like, why? What? And I forgot what I'd said. And I was like, wow, did you, did you, were you guys praying? <laughs> he said, Pastor, remember Saturday? I was like, oh my goodness. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I forgot. I forgot. Okay. What I'm trying to say, this is beautifully created by God. When it says Adam knew Eve, you know, the Passion Bible says, says this is eternal life, that you may know and experience him. And you say, Adam experienced his wife in a way that caused her to conceive. It's beautiful, it's intimate. And I want to say, what happened in here she conceived, she was fruitful. Folks, in this knowing, why do I say knowing him and making him known? Making him known is being fruitful. Folks, if we know him, if we experience that intimacy, it, re- it results in fruit in our lives that other people can see. That is, that is beautiful, that brings forth life to our relationships. Knowing Him should mean all your relationships are at another level. It means you're functioning in your workplace at another level. Because you're knowing Him in your workplace. You're knowing Him in your relationships. It should result in fruit in, 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 in all of your life. Knowing Him is Paul's passion. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians about his burning desire to know Jesus. Look what he says, Philippians 3 verse 8 in the Passion. To truly know Him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. Folks, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. That's how he defines himself. Actually, just before these verses, he defines and he had us, Paul the Apostle, before on the Damascus Road. Remember, he was going to persecute Christians. He thought he was doing God's work by killing Christians. 
He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Now, in that culture, in that community, the most respected, the most sought-after individuals were the Pharisees. They were highly trained intellectual theologians, men of God, leaders in the community. I couldn't think, I, I don't know, think in your community, your culture, your background, the most respected people, and probably multiplied by about ten times the amount of respect you have for that person. That is how Pharisees were sought and seen in their society. Today we look back at them as a bunch of hypocrites. But that is how they were seen. And folks, that is what Paul says, I consider it nothing. All my social status, all my achievements, years of study to become a Pharisee. He says, all of that, I consider it, I consider my boasting on the garbage. It is like a pile of manure to me. Folks, manure is, let's just say when you go to the bathroom, it's that department, okay? It's that department. That is what he is comparing, and he's saying, my status as one of the most respected leaders in my community. He said, that's what I consider to be. Compared to what? What can be more comparable than the most respected men in community? He said, so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ. He says, compared to any status that the world can put on me, he says, I consider it nothing, manure, a pile of dung, a pile of rubbish, compared to, the, some Bibles say, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Look at the passion he has of knowing Jesus. And he goes on to say, and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. Guys, this is phenomenal. This man's passion to know God. He says, I'll throw my reputation away. I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> last, last week, I was getting a bit animate in some of my, the things I was saying. And anyway, I have some junior members of our family. And one of our junior members actually said to me, she said, Dad, mm. I gave away the gender, sorry. <laughs> I was trying to be gender neutral here. And they said, mm, Dad, mm, that was a bit, they used the word cringe. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I don't want to embarrass my kids. I'm not intending to embarrass myself. But folks, he says, my reputation, I'm willing to throw it all away compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Look what he says in verse 10. And I continually Long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. The wonders of Jesus. He's continuing to long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. And to experience, folks, remember, it's not just an intellectual thing. And to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection. Folks, oneness, this intimacy is knowing him. Knowing him is not an intellectual exercise. It's an experience of oneness, of heart-to-heart connection, of intimacy, walking with Jesus. Amen? But he says over here, he mentions these things, resurrection and death, suffering, I'm going to come back to this, folks. You know, I, I've underlined, these verses have been aligned in my Bible for a long time. And when I was 19, I underlined, I want to know you in your resurrection. I can be honest, I didn't, I didn't underline the part of I want to know you in your suffering and death. I was like, I don't know what, I, I can't compute that. We're watching an Alpha course and they were interviewing, ah, uh, the Chasing the Dragon Lady. Stella, what's her name? Jackie Pullinger. Okay? So you're all going to read a book, Chasing the Dragon. Phenomenal woman who at 21 bought, a, bought a, a, a ticket on a ship from England to like the hardest place she could find to make Jesus known. And she went to Hong Kong, the inner city, where drug addicts and and, you know, prostitution was just rife, and she started this ministry. 
And she, her, one of her sayings is, we need to have soft hearts and hard feet. Not hard hearts and soft feet. And I interviewed her and said, you know, what do you mean? And she says, I think the only way you can have a soft heart is if your heart has been broken. What does that look like? Folks, that looks like suffering. That looks like when you've tried to love somebody and they've rejected you. And you've taken that to the Lord and the Lord's healed your heart. And, your heart, and you have not allowed your heart to get hard. You say, I'm still going to love. When you've been rejected and betrayed and, and slandered and, you know, all those, like, think of what people can and do do to people. That kind of stuff. When your heart's been broken, you say, I'm still going to love. Soft hearts and hard feet. She said, why hard feet? Because we need hard feet to take us into hard places. That we're not so cringy and scared to mourn with those who mourn. You know, it's not easy, folks. I'm telling you, I don't find mourning comes naturally to me. Naturally, I'm like, I would rather just do rejoicing all day long. I don't know about you. You know, joy is my preference. But the Bible's called us to mourn with those who mourn. That requires hard feet. We can't be so touchy-sensitive if we're not willing to give somebody a call who's just lost a loved one. Say, can I pray with you? We need a hard feet to say, I'm going to do the hard things. Knowing him is a great privilege. In Jeremiah 9.23, Jeremiah writes, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. Let him who boasts, Boast in this, that he understands and knows me. So interesting, Jeremiah's writing here, don't boast in wisdom, might, riches. And it's like, I reckon what Paul the Apostle was writing in Philippians, he was inspired by these kind of scriptures. Where Jeremiah says, riches, might, fame, what are the things, you know, wisdom. He says, I'm not going to boast in those. Folks, that's what the world's looking for. And we look for Jesus. I'm going to boast. My greatest, my greatest achievement in life is I know Jesus. Knowing Him is what the fivefold ministry does. Now, the fivefold ministry is God's leadership, grace gifting to the church. It says, and he, Jesus, gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So that's why it's called fivefold. The apostolic grace gift, the prophetic gift, the evangelistic gift, the pastoral gift, the teaching gift. These gifts are found in the leaders that God has given to the church. What's their job? What is the job of the fivefold? To equip the saints, okay? To empower, train you, the saints, you the saints, for the work of ministry. We, we are not meant to pray for all the sick and, you know, lead everybody to the Lord. Okay, we meant to empower you, the fivefold, to do that. But look what he says. Also, for building up the body of Christ. Till we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. I was so struck. One of I feel God has called me to fivefold ministry as a pastor teacher. One of my jobs is that we would grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. It is one of the jobs of the fivefold ministry that you get to know Jesus better. If they teach you about anything else, that's great. But if you are exposed to any fivefold ministry, one of their jobs is that you get to know Jesus better. Amen? I'm aware of that. I'm so often, when I'm ministering, I'm bringing the word, I'm like, are people, God, getting to know you better? Am I revealing you? Or am I somehow getting on the pulpit and making everybody look at me and say, look how amazing I am? 
I want you to think and know that Jesus is amazing. Knowing him is the source of all virtues. Peter writes in 2 Peter 1 verse 2, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Folks, he's saying, Ha, I want you to have grace. I'm wanting you to have peace. The shalom of God, the complete sense of well-being. I want that for you. But he says this, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I remember this quote years ago. I had it somewhere. Heard it somewhere. I had it up somewhere. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. I trust you've seen this slide. I'm looking at my slide operator there. And I want to say the same. I mean, you could put any of the virtues in there. No Jesus, no grace. No Jesus, no grace. If you want to know what does grace look like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what faithfulness is, know Jesus, no faithfulness. Know Jesus, no faithfulness. Choose a virtue. And what I want to do now is, I wrote on a list of what knowing Him means. And folks, <laughs> I couldn't stop writing the list. So last, last night I had like one and a half screens. This morning, I added another screen. And literally, as I was down here, I was like, I was so itching just to, to add more. Because I think if there's anything I, I would love you to get is that knowing Jesus is so much more than we ever imagined. And this is a lifelong journey. And so, I, I'm not going to cover all these points, but we'll, we'll see how we go. Knowing Him means knowing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Trinity, folks, we totally embrace the reality and the doctrine of the Holy Trinity, Jesus came to reveal Father God, Himself as the Son of God and the Holy Spirit. Knowing Him means knowing His will and His Word. You know that the Bible is divided into a New Testament and an Old Testament? The word Testament literally means will. It literally is His will revealed to us. Knowing Him means knowing Him with our spirit, our body, and our soul. And our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Folks, I am not saying any one of these are more significant. I do want to say that your will is absolutely crucial. And your will has such a big impact on your life. But let us not just say knowing Him is just say with our mind. Because that's what so many people... I mean, it was one of the, on, on the Alpha course... The, they interviewed a guy who he shared his testimony. He's known as the pastor to the Pope. He has been, since like 1990, the personally responsible for ministering to three generations of Popes. And he shares how he was a professor who specialized in the study of Jesus and his teachings. And he said, I knew these teachings and I could write and everything about it. And then he had an encounter with Holy Spirit. And he said, suddenly these teachings just came alive. And it was like, he knew in his mind, and there's nothing wrong with it, God wants you to devote your mind. You know, theology is the study of God. That's what it is. We need to love the Lord our God with all our mind, uh, sorry, our mind, will, strength, emotions, everything. The whole, the whole gambit. But let's not limit God to just one aspect of it. Knowing the head and his body. And this is so significant. I shared about faith, hope and love three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I can't remember. And remember I shared examples of how I had experienced faith, hope and love from people sitting right here in this congregation. These aspects, this is so significant folks. You will not get to know the fullness of God by yourself in your little prayer closet at home all day long. There's aspects of God that you're going to learn from your wife if she's serving God, from your children if they love God, and most important, from people in your local church that are serving. They're going to reveal Jesus to you in ways that you cannot in your prayer closet. Knowing the gospel. Folks, the gospel is the means that unlocks the reality of all of knowing God. What happened at the cross 
is central in all of history, folks. And I just want to put again um, my favorite definition for what is the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God and offering the gift of salvation to all who repent and believe in him. Knowing him requires that we know the gospel, folks. If we want other people to know him, we have to be able to communicate the gospel. That is the door to everything um, that there is to know about him. Knowing him means knowing his nature and his character. Knowing him means knowing him as the fisherman and the disciple maker. When Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, the implication was he was going to teach them how to do this fishing thing. Amen? If I want to know him and make him known, I need to follow the fisherman or the disciple maker. He is the master disciple maker. Knowing him means knowing that he changes lives. Folks, you become like the thing you worship. Knowing him is life-changing. Knowing him means knowing him on Sundays and Mondays. I love it that you wow God on at church. And what I mean is, you know, in a place of worship. But on Monday morning, when you walk into the office at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock or 9 o'clock, you know him there. Knowing him means serving and resting. It's often easy to know God in, in resting. But do you know him when the heat is on? Knowing him in the valley and on the mountaintop. I want to come back. Remember Paul writes in Philippians and he says, I want to know the power of your resurrection and I want to know, the, I, I want to know you, you in your suffering and your death. In Philippians, I'm, I'm not quoting exactly. That is in the valley. Folks, realities in life, we're going to get valleys. And I'm glad you got to know him on the mountaintop. But do you know him in the valley? And the next few points I want to put is unpacking different glimpses of this truth. Knowing him in the valley and knowing him in the mountaintop. Knowing him in suffering and breakthrough. I want to, in, in recent years, I have got to know God more in the area of suffering than I have in the area of breakthrough. I have been surprised at how much I've got to know God in my in suffering. I want to know Him in His death and resurrection. Folks, they both, and I want to submit to you this side of eternity, death and resurrection is something that we'll experience often. Endings and new beginnings. Seasons coming to an end. They happen all the time and they always surprise me. I always think that I always think that a good thing is going to carry on forever. But things come to an end and in God sometimes He prunes things. John 17, He cuts things off. Then we think, oh, don't cut, don't cut. Ah, that was, that was a nice tendril there. And He cuts it and it's like, are we okay that we, okay Lord, I know why. You want greater fruit. And this, this vine is going to look the way you want it, not the way I want it. It's okay to cut that lot. Knowing him when his presence is tangible and when it's not. Oh, folks, this is, this is a hard one. I wish I knew his tangible presence all the time, but I just don't. And I still know him. He's still the same yesterday, today and forever when I feel his presence and when I don't. He doesn't change and nor should we. Knowing him in lack and abundance. Remember what Paul the Apostle says in, in the Philippians chapter 4. He says, I have experienced lack and I've experienced abundance. And I've learned the secret of contentment in all those places. Knowing him in sickness and in health. Sure, that's a hard one. It's a reality for so many people though in the last year. I won't ask for a show of hands. But how many of you, when I know so many people have had COVID, but you know what I'm so surprised at so often? 
is how surprised people are when when they've gotten COVID. It's it's they're like, but Lord, I'm a Christian. I thought I wouldn't get COVID. <laughs> like, what happened? What went wrong? <laughs> Knowing him in sickness and in health. People have gone through major valleys, some of the biggest tests of their lives through sickness. Do we know him in sickness? Or do we only know him when we walk in divine health? Knowing him in war and in peace. I said to some people when the looting was going on that week, when we were patrolling the townships through the not our suburbs through the night, I said it felt like a war zone. Like, God, where are you in this? Where are you in this? How can so much chaos be happening with you sitting on the throne? I was struggling to know God in, in our little war that we experienced at the beginning of July. I'm telling you, if I had it over, I hope I would handle it better. I want to know God in war and in peace. Knowing Him when joyful and when down. Oh, it's easy to know Him when you're joyful. But Haibo, Haibo, that other one. I was like, do I put down or do I put depressed? Folks, depression is not a dirty word. Okay? Depression is not something that we need to hide under the carpet and put on the cheesy smile. And I'm not saying you must tell everybody when you're feeling depressed, but there should be some folks close to you that you can say, listen, I'm really struggling. Uh, and you should not cast your pearls before swine and not tell everybody, you know, I'm depressed, put a badge on, etc. I'm, dep- I'm not saying that. It's not something that, that should cause shame. Mental illness is a reality for so many people. I mean, I forget the stats of how many people at some stage in their life encounter some sort of mental illness. It should not be a stigma, it should not be shameful, but it is something that we can know God in. And you know the scripture says we can comfort others with the comfort we receive from the Lord. We will walk through with God through those hard places. God can use us to make Him known to others in those places. Knowing Him when we are full of faith, we are, when we are struggling to believe. Again, one of those things people don't always want to confess. Knowing Him when doors are open. Knowing Him when doors are tightly shut. You've been banging on some doors and saying, God, I need a break and it doesn't happen. Are you okay? Can you walk with God? Can you worship Him? Can you love Him? And you feel like the doors have been shut and the keys have been thrown away and it's like, God, I need to get out of the situation. You know Him there? It's only on the day of breakthrough. Knowing Him in all your relationships. <laughs> the good, the bad and the ugly. You know those people who just don't like you? No matter what you say, no matter what you do. I heard somebody saying that they reckon 20% of, of, of us, 20% of people will have people that will just not like them. And it's not because of anything you've said or done. <laughs> I don't like, okay God, can I know you when I'm engaging those people? Knowing him through all the seasons of life. I like summer, I love spring. Autumn and winter, Lord, can we chat about that later? Okay? Not, not this year, next year, or the following year, Lord. I've, I've done autumn and winter seasons, okay, Lord? Oh, God, I want to know you in those seasons as well. I'm going through those seasons with you, Lord. Haha, <laughs> we can do it. Knowing Him yesterday, today, and forever. I finished with that one because I thought, oh, that one really seals it up. Knowing Him in every way in every season of life. But, I trust you see that knowing him is a, is, a, is a bit bigger than maybe initially we thought when we were like, I want to know you, Lord. It's like, oh, okay, this is, this, is, this is a lot of knowing. But folks, I don't want to live any other way. I don't want to live any other way. I don't want to do any other stuff by myself. Let's pray. Gentlemen, we come up. Maybe just, you did this yesterday in Alpha, they said, you know, just lift your hands like this, like an act of surrender, like you're ready to receive. Lord, I pray for every single one of us, Lord, and I'm praying for me harder than anybody.
God, knowing you is the most amazing privilege. Lord, as Paul the Apostle said, he considers everything like rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing you, Lord. God, even if that's not our reality, God. Lord, sometimes I just pray that I would want that. That I would want to know you as passionately as Paul the Apostle wants to know you. That I would value knowing you as much as as we see in Scripture. So Lord, I'd start there. Lord, if we, if we don't have a desire to know you, I just pray for us, Lord, increase our desire to know you, Lord. And God, the amazing thing is that you grant us the desires of our heart. You give us desires and then you fulfill them. God, would I pray that we would get to know you. Not get to know you, but know you. Experientially, in reality, in every way every season of life, yesterday, today, and forever. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that we would, from knowing you, make you known. Lord, making you known is not meant to be something, Lord, that kind of we just squeeze out when our men hallelujah or praise God praise. Lord, knowing you is sometimes using words. It's mostly just walking with you in the valley and on the mountaintop that people can see the reality that you are with us. That you are with us. May we make you known to our loved ones. May we make you known to our friends. And Lord, may we make you known to the ones that we really struggle to love. Pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Holy Spirit, we want to know Son and Holy Spirit in every season of life. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za and for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.